0: CS podcast Nickel City soundtrack. In this episode, Derek, Chris, and uh, special guest Larry Ransom talked to Tim and Poppy from Against All Hope. We talked them about their uh, getting into skateboarding, getting into punk, how the uh, members of the band changed a lot in the early in the early days, uh, influences, recording sessions, and how they still get together. To write when they're all in town. Thanks, and uh, we hope you enjoy this. And we'll see you on the next one. Oh. So, so, w- what's the story behind Ass Man?
1: Uh, this is uh, Nickel City After Dark.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I don't know. I, I, Tim, Tim can probably tell you that story. It, it, it started off with um, our good friend, um, Aaron Matajasic. We were uh, <laughs> at, at a ramp and we built this fort in the woods and we were all just uh, sleeping in this fort in the woods. And somebody was telling a story about a Batman rapist. And <laughs> and I, st- I started jumping at everybody and somebody yelled, he's the ass man. He's the Batman rapist. And that's it just stuck.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's where it came from
2: we nailed the door shut because didn't a skunk try to attack us and we nailed the door shut from the inside so no one can get out and that's when i did it no because <laughs> no one can <could> get out
0: <laughs> yeah it was something like that welcome to the nickel city soundtrack podcast uh right now i'm rolling solo i'm derek and i have a co-host special co-host who is
1: uh hello it's larry ransom here
0: and today we're interviewing Tim and Poppy of Against All Hope. Say what's up, guys. How's it going? What's up? <laughs> just so they can get your voices. Um, yep. So uh, I wanted to start out with, uh, you know, you guys, how you guys met. And just, uh, you know, getting into hardcore and punk.
3: Wow, well, Poppy, why don't you start with that one
2: <laughs> okay well um uh, tim's Tim's parents and uh my parents uh, actually were friends in high school, so um they kind of grew up together, so I've known Tim you know ever since we were little kids yep. um we all grew up together too
3: as a result so
2: and it's um as far as getting into hardcore, I actually, I think Tim got me into it really back in the early 80s.
3: Yeah, probably. I mean, there was a, there was a time when um, somehow we discovered, it. I don't know if we were on vacation or what, and some kids from some private school in Buffalo were like, you got to listen to this shit. It was like Dead Kennedys and, and whatever. And we're like, what the hell is this? And they had a cassette tape of it. And we, we just, we were like, we didn't understand it. None of it made any sense. We just were like, wow, this is kind of scary and weird. And then I remember being home and being Poppy, we were all into BMX. Remember Poppy? We were all into BMX racing and stuff and freestyle and, um, skateboarding obviously. And somehow little by little, you know, you guys remember back then, Larry, like it wasn't something that was around. So, you know, somebody would leak out a tape of something and like a new wave band or whatever. Um, Boy, I don't know exactly how. Other than WBNY, the shows on WBNY, like Midnight Riot, yeah. once that once we discovered that Thursday nights, we were like, man, where we live, me and Poppy, we were all from uh, DPU, Cheektowaga area, and remember, Poppy, we could barely get that radio station
1: in.
2: So. Yeah, we, we would run
1: wires up to, you know, out the window
2: yeah. to, to the roof of the
1: house. <laughs> I would, I would have to do the same in Lockport one You oh. know, you could get it one week, but the next week you couldn't, you know, it was just like, yeah. whatever you know. way the wind was blowing that week or something.
0: I, oh, for I mean, sure. Even when, when you were doing it, Larry, mm-hmm. I had a hard time getting it. In oh, in Hamburg. Hamburg. Wow. Yeah yeah. 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 So yeah. Very
3: few, very few are really like right in the city there. Um, pulling in that signal, you know, obviously a lot of guys were new balance guys and all that, but um, we had to work for it just like all of you guys did. And um, boy, once, once, once we discovered it, that was it, you know,
2: yeah, I would imagine it was all skate sitting rock. Sitting there and listening time. to the Andy Mad Dog Mauer um, yeah. and recording it. And then the next day, you know, going to a their, uh, local ramp that we used to all hang out at and you know, put in the tape. And just play the replay the show over again. (laughs) Yeah. Nice.
0: And uh, so, like, how did that turn into you guys making music? Holy crap. Well, um, so Poppy's
3: talking about the ramps and stuff. And so we had this um, large group of skaters, all different dudes from different neighborhoods. And we would build ramps everywhere, like in the fields all the time. And we got better and better and better at it. And Poppy, remember one time, um, we all went back to skate the ramp this one day after school, and it was gone. We're like, where the hell is the damn ramp? is? a ghost. And then rumor got it that one of these kids had uh, thought they saw somebody pushing it up the road. And so they cut it into three pieces. Poppy, I think you were part of that crew, right? <laughs>
4: yeah,
3: I was. We stole, so the, we stole the ramp, pushing, <laughs> we moved it. <this> <laughs> they're pushing an eight-foot-wide, you know, eight-foot-tall quarter pipe. Down the roads, you know, on a bunch of skateboards. And we all confronted each other and we realized that, wait a minute, you guys have land that we're able to build on. So we pooled our resources. And from there, we had a, quite a skate scene in that area. This was all West Seneca and uh, Elma and East Aurora OP kids, um, but a lot of Cheetahawaga and West Seneca dudes. We all really just galvanized around that. And as we did that, we were like, nobody was forming bands, but for some reason, poppy and myself and chris manfrey um i don't know if you guys know chris manfrey he had a drum set and he had a little gorilla amp and he had a little guitar actually had a couple of guitars and we're like man you're hoarding all this stuff and we went over to his house and then me and poppy every day we were going there we used to practice like five days a week didn't
2: we poppy yeah yeah every day after school pretty much down in Um, his mom's laundry room before then uh, me and tim would sit in his basement he i remember he got a little guitar and a, a small little amplifier which i think ran on d batteries if i remember yes. right yes.
3: <laughs> and, and it would it get basement. distorted when the batteries ran out it would get distorted
2: we liked that we were like this is great And he would play the guitar and we would record this on a you know one of those old tape recorders and he would just start playing his guitar and i would just ad lib these uh lyrics of you know all crazy shit you know stuff that I'm not proud today that we were, you know, that we recorded it, but <laughs> just, uh, no just really, you know, we've made songs up about all our friends and we played them for them, you know, like just, you know, just crazy kid stuff. Um, And that's, that's kind of how me and Tim really started doing it. And then, then man, then the whole Manfred thing came along and that's when it really took off. What year do you think that would be? Oh God, I don't know. I was probably in, I was in 10th grade, ninth or 10th grade. So I don't know what eighty-five, Tim.
3: Um Yeah, maybe that's eighty-six somewhere around there. We were doing it. We called it "Talking Assholes." That was hip-hop. Yeah, a that was the name of it. <laughs> so we were doing that kind of stuff around eighty-six. I would think eighty-five, and then by the time Manfrey showed up with all of his equipment, we started practicing eighty-seven and eighty-eight. We formed, um, started writing songs as crude as they were. That's how we started writing. And keeping in mind that we weren't even going to shows around then because. There were some, apparently. Apparently, I find out now there were some good shows back then, but we didn't know about it. Um, we just The first one we went to was, Poppy, were you at that DRI show?
2: Yeah, at the um, Knights of Columbus yeah. and yeah. of, on Union Road. Yeah, I mean, shows
3: back then were amazing. So it was DRI, Dr. No, D. Kreutzen, and um, Third Man In. It was like one of their early shows. Damn. And it was great. We went there. At that point, Poppy and all of us, we were like, This is for real, man. This is this is like real shit. So at that point, we're like, we're definitely gonna throw some gas on the fire of playing music. And that's what that's when we started practicing every night. So the band itself, the band proper, never formed with the guys in it um for a while. But the three of us were figuring it out with a million band names at the (laughs)
1: the (laughs) time. Were you guys doing garage gigs or backyard? you know, skate jam I, gigs or anything
2: like that early on. We did a nice show in uh Tim's basement when his parents went to Florida. <laughs> that <laughs> that was, was our first show. We had a coffee table. Uh, I was standing on the coffee table. That was my stage. Yeah. And uh yeah. t- Tim and Manfred were on the floor playing and we had a, a bunch of our friends over and everybody's uh, you know, diving off the table. Came over and then uh Tim's uncle was watching the house. He ended up driving by and he broke the thing up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. That was about yeah. it. And then, but then, you know, as we as we kept going, we kept going. Um, we were only a three piece for the longest time. It was me playing guitar, Manfrey on drums, and Poppy singing. And Poppy, you probably can tell the story better, but about the show at Billingsgate, that whole, oh, that was our yeah. first actual time playing <laughs> out, so to speak.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I was actually working at Tops at the time, um, pushing carts. And it was in the summer. And this um, old, van pulls up and it had all these hardcore stickers on it and these guys get out going the tops to buy food and you know they had all their equipment inside there and i'm um, i went out there and i'm like oh, well who are you guys and they're telling me "We're oh, Billingsgate we're playing a show tonight at the river rock and i was like that's odd you know usually we uh, you know i would have heard about a show at the river rock you know word of mouth and everything and i guess something happened and they forgot to the book the river rock so um they ne- we never got to play there, but then we ended up playing in Page's barn. I think it was.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. We all everybody traveled all the way to River Rock, and I don't remember what happened. But, they um,
2: wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let us go in because there was another show going on. Oh, okay. Um, so he booked it to someone else, and so I think Page was there, and he was like, oh, I got a barn. Let's go play in my barn." So we went over to his barn and played there.
3: Yeah, again back I to West
2: up, Seneca. <laughs> ended up having a great time. Yeah, it was great.
3: And that was, that was it. And then, again, as a three-piece, we didn't have a bass player for the longest time.
2: So,
3: I don't know why, but we just didn't. Well, again, we didn't yeah. take it
0: very seriously. Yeah, you just made it work. What was, I mean, what was the band at that time? Was that was that Against All Hope yet? Or was that uh, a precursor band?
2: No, that was Against All
3: Hope. Yeah, that was the first one as Against All Hope. Prior to that, it was like the show Poppy's talking about in the basement. We used to be called Bastard Squad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. We were really into The Young Ones. Remember that show? There was a show called The Young Ones. and There was a fictitious band called Baxter Squad. So we're like, that's going to be us. We'll be that band. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What was the uh, transition to Against All Hope using that name? Or is it because you're getting better? You wanted to take a slightly different direction or getting more serious about it?
2: Um, I, well, I, The name Against All Hope came from uh, the, the powerhouse 7-inch. Yeah. right uh, you remember there's a there was a song on there against the hope and i don't know i think we were just sitting around one day you know doing whatever we do probably drinking coffee because that's what we did most of the time um and uh i think we just wow well, we need, need to change our name and that was something we just popped into our heads So we came up with against all hope um yeah and went from there
3: yeah so it was a pretty much a rip-off thing but <laughs> we, were, we just let. We were like, "That's pretty cool." My daughter now wonders why the hell we ever named our band that. But I can't justify it other than that's just the name of the band. So.
1: <laughs> I think ninety percent of hardcore bands take their name from another band's song title or the name of, you know, it just recycles over and over again. Well, you're included in that, right? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: uh, Chris is here, right, Chris? Yeah, hey guys, sorry. Uh, there was a little confusion going? in the email. How y'all doing? Anyways, uh, let's talk about like your first
1: recording experience. Because that's as a three-piece as well, the recording,
2: right? So you didn't have a bass player yet? Yeah, yeah. our drummer, well, Chris Manfrey was our drummer at the time. He actually did the bass tracks on there. I, um, he threw some in there, if I'm not mistaken, Tim. Oh, you're and talking about the track... recording? The seven-inch? The Yeah, the first seven-inch. The one we did it in East Aurora. I can't remember the name of the um, recording studio. Limelight. Limelight. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that Which was is... uh, Manfrey
3: played uh, bass on that. Yeah. Or yeah, wait, he did drums and bass.
2: Or no, uh, I played 20... bass. I played
3: bass, but he did all the extra guitar fills and acoustic. He did guitar.
1: like the acoustic guitar. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's what he did. So I remember I just played bass because I was already doing the guitar. So voila, that's a piece of cake, right? To do both tracks. So. I was like, how did it? How did you guys?
5: end up coming out on round flat
2: um well funny thing about the recording was tim i don't know if you remember this but remember uh you guys used to come in i used to work at tops when i i was doing the (laughs) bottle return these guys would come in with like five uh cans and i'd give them uh, a receipt for like 25 (laughs) dollars for and we used that money to pay for the recording most of (laughs) it yeah we did that about 20
5: little little side (laughs) I worked at Tops, a different Tops, also doing bottle return. <laughs> and uh, I think we smashed more bottles than we actually like recycled. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so and we so had those we like... The
2: money to pay for the recording.
5: <laughs> yeah, we had the, the the metal stick with the magnet on the end to unlock the fifth wheel. Do you remember those? No. Oh, uh, another, another cart guy hit me in the face with one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow.
3: Yeah. How so did you... Poppy did that. I think Poppy did that about 25 times. And next thing you know, we had enough money
1: to pay for the recording. How did you guys find that, that studio or or
2: know about that? Well, that's a good question.
3: Do you remember that one, Poppy?
2: I have no idea. I think Chris Manfrey uh, found it somehow. I don't know. That could be, it was maybe looking in a phone book. I, you know, I have no idea. It was run by some guys. I want to
3: say Dave Lombardo or something. And and some guys that had like some, some bands that existed in Buffalo for years, nothing to do with punk rock or anything, but on the side, they just moonlighted. One of them had an ownership, I think, in this limelight music. And so what they did was they, I think advertised maybe in like that nightlife or one of those magazines
1: and Gusto or something.
3: Yeah, so they just had an A-track, and we were like, hey, that's suitable for us, because it's not going to cost very much, and kind of like a a mini version of what Doug White had when he started out in the basement over there. But we found that, and somehow we decided we're going to use Poppy's um, industrial espionage to get enough money together (laughs) to actually pay for the recording.
1: And that was in the back of a music store or something like that, right?
3: Yeah. At nighttime. In fact, the drums were tracked right in the middle of the music store. Oh, wow. So that's the only way they had isolation rooms. They put the drums in the main room and, you know, Poppy was in a closet and stuff <laughs> like that. And it was great, though. I mean, it worked out perfect. Had we known a little more about how to use it, it would have been a little more fun. But, you know, whatever, yeah, captures the moment.
2: At that time, we were used to just recording. I mean, everything else we recorded was just on a tape player sitting on the floor in the middle yeah. of us, you know. I mean, yeah. we did a lot of a lot of demo tapes like that yeah we, a lot of demo tapes we, we dubbing told... one track to the next to the next, to the next. <laughs> yeah. just, most of them were just making up the words as we went along and we even sold demos to all our friends you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> you guys just did that in one day i think that's uh, a really cool sounding recording Yes, one
2: day? Yeah, I think it was one day, yeah. except I, I think the the second the tracks that Manfree did it be on top of the drums, I think, was another day, wasn't it? That could have been the same day
3: we mixed. Yeah, it might have been one day to track almost everything. And then, yeah, Manfrey decided to add some um, bonus tracks, which, you know, this really added to some dimension. And then, you're right, we mixed it the same day. So two sessions, but, again, they would do it at night when the store closed. Yeah. But that's awesome man. it does it yeah. sounds pretty cool for
2: what it is it's not it's got a cool sound to it yeah to, to yeah. go to answer your question about ron flett i you know i really i don't really know how he ended up hooking up with kurt
3: it could Shoot have something him? to do with the mike frank thing because we ended up with mike frank shout out to mike he um actually so he played bass for us yeah he joined the band for a, a quick spell
1: so he but was the him. first bass player what's that he was the first bass player post three piece
3: yeah, in fact, that, I think so. When we finally did play at River Rock, I believe Mike was on in the band at the time, right, Poppy? So,
1: yeah, there's some photos with him at the River Rock with you guys.
3: That would make sense. And then I think he did a couple of gigs with us once there, and then we did a show with um, Discontent and Freeze, Jeremy's band out in um, Batavia. Remember that one, Poppy? Mm-hmm. Again, this is all when we were just starting to get this thing going. So. It happened right. very quick, um, but Mike was in the band, and, and I'm I'm guessing that Mike was friends with Kurt. because I remember being at River Rock and Kurt and all those guys. Everybody was scheming that they're going to start this label and that we should be the first one to do something.
5: Yeah, Mike was tight with them back then. I don't know if they still yeah. are, but like Mike, Kurt, and Dan, the Bacteria Decay guys. Oh yeah, like they yeah. were
3: they were tight. Well, that's got to be how it happened. Then, I would imagine. Again, you don't pay <clears> attention to the the organic nature of things back then it just happens you know but that would explain <laughs> it that would explain it
2: yeah they all went yeah, exactly to together. Makes sense so you originally
1: put that out as a demo tape how long before uh it went to the the seven inch well oh, that's a- pretty quick or was it a year late in the next year or
3: wow i don't even know it's funny you say that because i do i did find some uh Old cassette tape covers that we made, and I was wondering why. What are these from? So I didn't even know we did we did it for a tape. I thought we did it right for a seven inch. Do yeah, I,
2: I don't remember that? doing a, a doing it as a demo either. I think we, we went right. Kurt just put it on a seven inch. I have the tape,
1: and the tape has a, a song that long uh, song dead stop that has like that long intro because that's not on the seven inch because you, you know it wouldn't fit time wise. Yeah. No. That's right. okay. Because I think you gave that to me,
0: Larry, like a copy of that. And I, me- oh, I remember
1: like the MP3s or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I remember there being songs that weren't on the 7 inch that were recorded at the same session.
1: Yeah, I have one of those, Tim.
0: Do you? Yeah. And I just found this today and I'm
3: going, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> so-
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're maybe, talking. Yeah, I, I don't remember that at all either. <laughs> I don't know. So it could be
3: that Poppy we we just decided to save up money make our own recording put out the demo and then maybe there was just an easy thing for kurt to just say hey let's take those tapes and press it
1: i don't know we'll- yeah he heard it and was like this is great let's do a 7 inch with it
2: yeah that could be that could be but then yeah i remember i remember going over to kurt's house and working on the cover and everything like that um yeah i just don't i don't remember doing the uh, demo tape though
1: right how was I mean, I used to think of like the seven inch being like the ultimate hardcore. Like if you put out a seven inch, like you're big time, you know? So I guess if I'm thinking correctly, you guys are like the second band in Buffalo to have a seven inch after zero tolerance. So that's kind of a big deal. It had to be exciting, you know, putting out vinyl. You're still probably teenagers, right? You know, that's. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: It was, it was awesome. (laughs) I mean, it, it it definitely felt it felt great. I mean, putting in all that time and then you know somebody saying, "Oh, we're gonna put this on a record," you know, I was like, "Oh, a record! It's that's awesome." <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't remember... t- What's that? I was just gonna say, at the time,
0: did you notice like a like a boost in popularity or anything when the seven inch came out at all? Or
3: I mean, anything just... like that. We didn't do anything until around that time anyway, that's the weird thing about it. So Larry's got a good point there. I mean, I, looking back like, yeah, seven inches usually came around after you had a little bit of a following going, but we, um, I feel like we just, that was kind of how we got going in a way. So weird, but, and also it didn't seem like anything big of a deal because I almost feel, feel like we were late at that point because ZT, everybody else had all these records coming out. Um, and we would be at all the shows. So it didn't seem like we waited at all. It just seemed like, oh, well, those guys did their thing. And now we're all going to start doing our thing. So
0: it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. I never
3: thought about it that way, Larry. Like uh, any due paying, because <laughs> <laughs> the next one that we did was with Larry. So it took a long time between them. So that's when we paid our dues, I guess you can say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that like four years later. Yeah, for sure. Almost. Yeah.
0: So what was the next recording after the the first seven inch?
2: Um, we did a recording at uh, Doug White's, I think was next, um, and that's when he his uh, studio was. He just was starting it off, and it was in his garage. Um, and we recorded some songs there, and then um, we heard I we heard the Slugfest seven inch, um, and we decided to go record some songs at the same studio they went to so we never really put out we never put out the stuff um at doug white's and we went right to the uh um seven inch with larry after that well there was the uh what nine or eleven
5: song tape that nick Barron put out on his label oh yeah and I mean, there was like a beans demo somewhere
2: in there too yeah the beans demo in the, in the seven inch jar that um the same uh okay. the, yeah. I want to see there, we, were two other there was another ones. recording. It wasn't on a record. It was a, a tape we put out. Um, I, we did it ourselves, and I've, we recorded that at uh, the loft, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah. There's a place where they do jingle. They were doing jingles, so we we went there <laughs> for, yeah, for right.
2: local commercials. And we, <clears> I don't know how <throat> we ended up there. He's like, "What <laughs> are you guys yeah, right, doing? What do
3: you guys?" He <laughs> didn't understand the, the way that we wanted to layer things, and he's like. This is weird. And then we wanted to put farts on there too. And then luckily he yeah. had um, recordings of like a trouser trumpet
0: or whatever it was called. And we
3: were like, yeah, we're going to put that on there. So. Oh,
0: but, that was for the, the uniform choice cover. You guys put like fart noises on.
2: Yeah. I think, well, I think it yes, yeah, was that song, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, flip was usually like, dude, we got to find a fart somewhere. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, We got to add it in here somewhere. <laughs>
1: Is that but flip that's... farting? No, no, those are, no that those was are my, off uh, his little library sound sound.
3: effect.
1: Oh <laughs> man, I thought you were just miking up someone's ass and just letting it rip. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we might have did later on, but to start off, it was just you know pre recorded. yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, but the demos we didn't. You're right. You're right, Derek. There were there were a series of demos, and, and those were all things yeah, we there, on the, our own. We did the one
2: with third party too. Remember?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we had a series of demos that we just sort of kept recording things and throwing it out, recording more things and putting it out. And early on you were asking about like how we all got into, how we got into everything. Um, we're trying to remember early on me and Poppy went to ECC South. So we would spend our mornings driving in the freezing cold, listening to like SSD and DYS and maximum penalty and, um, Just all the all these amazing demos, and so we were like, we could make demos like these bands do, and breakdown. Remember the breakdown demo? Oh
4: yeah.
3: We we would crank that stuff up all the time. So I think early on we figured we'll just make a series of demos, and that's all we really want to do. And the fact that it got one of them just happened to got pressed early was just a like a side footnote, you know. So we just got right back. I think we just got right back to demos. Um, And again, one of one of my favorite demos ever. And is the beyond do it demo
1: oh yeah that's a great one
3: and we got there was a show at pipe dragon i think you guys have talked about that before uh with yeah. warzone and me and poppy and a bunch of us went to that that was insane. yeah that was, that that was great blew me away and you know you listen to that demo and you're like that's insane and probably a huge influence on against all hope in the early days was bands like that yeah Later on, verbal ass- verbal assault, I think, was like a, a huge thing for all of us.
2: Yeah, we listened to that a lot. The trial, the trial record, usually at the ramp when we were skating. Trial yep. yep. and always skater
3: Oh yeah, and then SNFU and Seven Seconds, and these were all bands that are just, you know, we cut our groove to these bands and Dag Nasty and all that. And it's pretty obvious when you hear our music, it's like, oh, I can see what these guys were into. They were skateboarders making punk rock hardcore stuff it's cool
5: that you like reference snfu like snfu doesn't get talked about enough
3: oh, in the context
5: of hardcore
3: oh they and they should be because i mean especially the the, the riff machines that those guys were and just the way yeah, that those first two
5: records so good yeah
3: those progressions are insanity and the shows and i don't know how many of you guys saw them back in Buffalo. They came there so much. They they play Buffalo yeah. all the time. And we yeah, were we've seen all, in all, all the, the weird time.
5: places too. Like they played like that. I want to say the comedy trap or something like that. Whatever that place was above. Yeah. In the university plaza and like the metal shop and like all those like weird metal places. Shop.
3: There was some place never uh, poppy. We went. I think it was Riverside somewhere. Um, just some VFW hall. They played like I believe it was a week after Straight Ahead played a show there. Yeah. And we went to all these shows and we're like, man, these bands are. these are incredible bands but we didn't realize it at the time but you know some of them wouldn't come through again it would be defunct or whatever but but boy snfu they came through all the time And that show what did you call it comedy what was it called
5: i want to say the comedy trap or comedy loft or something like that
3: yeah it was
5: it was in the university plaza by the tops yes uh And I want to say it was like above record theater or something like that. Like the entrance was in the back. It was like a weird place. They didn't do many shows there.
3: Yeah. I remember that. And Phil, I think tells a story about how he went and got a PA for that show. Cause partway through it, I think Google dolls played. And the PA blew up. Yeah. And so Philly <laughs> knew somebody and went and grabbed some gear and patched together a PA so SNFU few could play. So like things like that happened all the time back then.
1: That tape that came out on third party. I heard, I don't know if this is true, that it was originally supposed to be like an album on round flat or maybe like a more professionally produced like cassette mm. tape kind of thing.
3: That could be. That could be because why would we have recorded eleven songs, not three? You know, like why would we yeah. have done that? do you have any knowledge of that poppy
2: i do not remember that but i mean i wouldn't be surprised you know probably one of those kurt things (laughs) i guess that would
3: be a kurt question i don't know what that guy's doing now but uh... because
1: i have uh when you guys played at the scrapyard was sick of it all you gave me you had like a four you made a four song tape from that recording uh and then inside i think it i'll have to dig it out it mentioned something about like this is coming out you know a full length on round flat records or something like that inside that tape
0: i I did see that on discogs and it it definitely says that yeah it says uh yeah 11 song uh cassette coming out on round flat i saw a picture of it and it had pressure cooker on it right pressure cooker and some other songs
1: I yeah, think was, like
0: a sampler from that or something
3: like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you
1: were just handing them out and you gave me one just to kind yeah. of like local promo or whatever.
3: Yeah. I wonder if maybe Ron flat made that as a way to keep the thing moving or something. I don't, I don't remember if we made that or not. Um, if we did, I probably would have remembered putting that in there, you know, typing that in.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But I wonder, I mean, that would, that would have been a significant investment at that time for a label who just put out a couple seven inches. So
0: I, well, I think I feel wonder. like by that
5: point he had at least four or five releases. Well, like, yeah, I don't yeah, know if he, he had ventured we're... into twelve
2: inches, but yeah, power trip. He, he did. Crop uh, dogs. He did crop dogs. At Discontent. Yeah. And power trip. Yep. So he had four yeah, yeah. Maybe. Then, well, the there was also process, that.
5: I think sure. there was like a four-way split with somebody too, like non-Buffalo bands, if I remember right.
3: That could yeah. be. But needless to say, Larry, that never happened. And we just kept putting out demos at that point, which might have been <laughs> why how Nick came in and said, hey, I'll, I'll if that's not happening, I'll release that on cassette or something.
1: Yeah. yeah. Where was that one recorded? Was that like a student recording somewhere in Rochester or something?
3: Well, that I think that's the one poppy. Uh, you guys were just talking
2: about that 11 song recording. Yeah, that was um, that was uh, the loft. loft. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Chiktawaga.
3: Chiktawaga was recorded. But there was, later on, there was stuff recorded out at um, WBER in Rochester.
1: Oh, that's that live tape, right?
3: Yeah, and I don't know where any of that stuff is. You know more about it than I do. It's <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> I have it safe. Yeah, good. It's um, been digitized. I have it.
3: That was much later. But in terms of the timeline of things, um, that 7-inch was recorded, like we said, without Mike. But then Mike came in for some shows. Then, Poppy, when did at some point right around that time galvin and scott got involved
2: yeah i think uh flip um, came in. yeah I, I flip well flip it was uh uh scott on drums and um you and uh and um flip on guitar oh flip was playing no he was wasn't he on bass galvin no not at bass. this point galvin, yeah, galvin was, was playing bass, bass. Yeah. And then, uh, and was on the second guitar. And we did that. we we'll, we did that for a little while. It was played a couple shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good time. We had fun with those guys. We really did. And we'd go, I, we I, think, at that, I think we got a, a, at a point with Manfred, he was kind of going in a different direction with his, you know, he liked different music than we did. Um, he was kind of getting out of the hardcore and he, moving into a different direction. so that we decided to, uh, look for a new drummer and, uh, we ended up cooking up with Vogel and then, galvin came yeah. in and um we got flip too so
3: and it was great because poppy and i again we were in school at the time so we'd finish up our classes at around eight thirty in the morning for some reason and we would roll up to scott's mom's house and we'd have practice set for 10 a.m like three days <laughs> a week 10 in the morning and we'd get there and we'd pull in and you pull in the driveway and you hear the drums going because of course scott's up bright and early working on the material
2: and we'd have to we'd have wake, to wake up. up galvin usually We yeah. would <laughs> <laughs> go into house he'd be in his bed we'd pull him out of the bed he'd get him down in the basement <laughs> now,
3: he'd have his golden shower a hip shirt on and, uh, oh, wow. and
2: we, he it, didn't it, have it,
3: a strap for his base at the time so we took a bike inner tube in my parents basement and punched a couple holes in it and we put it on the base and the beautiful thing is that shows it was perfect bass players should do this now because um he would play it and you could take the bass and throw it to the floor and bounce back up and
2: you can catch it. it <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we had a lot of fun it. with those guys. That was a good time.
1: That's a kind of a very cool kind of almost undocumented era of the band. Um, Cause you guys didn't record with that lineup, but I remember there being a lot of songs that kind of were born and d- maybe died with that, with that lineup. Yeah. Can you remember any of those or touch on that at all? We call them, you call them the fast rippers,
3: fast rippers. Yeah. And they were all like very much DYS and SSD inspired, you know, because for some reason, I, I think we wanted to go real fast. So we did
1: vocal I mean, was happy
3: to comply too. vocal like the fast ones
1: back then i remember poppy yelling uh maybe at the beginning of one song like boston crew 82 go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the
2: funny thing about that we, we we that song didn't have any lyrics i made them up as you know when we played them live i just made up the words as we went along we played this show <laughs> with those guys in uh saratoga with discontent um And we were playing, we played these songs, and some of them didn't have any words at the time, but we still played them anyways. And they kind of ad libbed the lyrics right on the stage. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I was going to ask about the infamous uh, Saratoga Springs road trip. Yeah. How did did, uh, you guys get on that, Bill?
2: I I think wasn't that. Didn't Kurt put that together, Tim? Didn't he get us on there? Probably, but somehow it was like us and discontent.
3: So yeah, it was probably like something that Kurt worked out with somebody and we all decided to go and do that. But it was cool. It was, it was awesome. We had
2: a good time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so what,
5: what happened with, uh, like why didn't Bogle and Galvin like continue on past a certain point?
2: uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really sure what happened there. I know that, uh, discontent broke up and, um, you know, um, we were good friends with them because we played a lot of shows with them and, you know, we were on the same label and everything. So we hung out a lot and Phil and Dean were, you know, I mean, obviously they're awesome musicians, you know, both of them. Uh, And I, I don't know how we just decided to, you know, put them in the band.
3: Yeah. Maybe Slugfest was really getting moving again. And yeah, they kind of reformed,
1: but I didn't wasn't sure if that was why they exited against the hope.
5: I don't know. I mean, I heard a story, but I don't know if it's right to say it. What's the story? I'd love to know when the real. (laughs) I I, I really don't remember. Yeah, I heard a story that you guys broke the band up and then reformed it like a week later
1: with Dean and Phil.
3: Well, that's possible, except for (laughs) there was our return to Chris Manfrey at the time.
1: Yeah, because Dean, they didn't come in at the same time, right?
3: That's right. That's right. So
1: yeah, I think Phil did first. We got
3: Phil first. So for some reason, well, here's here's a side note to this whole thing, and this could explain why everything happened. Chris Manfrey at the time um, joined Tension, and I know this is a discussion that you guys have brought up quite a
0: bit. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs> off, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on record as Tension is not a hardcore band. That's just my opinion. I point. can,
1: can get rid of the it? seven inch now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sell it to but Alex, Manfrey who wants to own all of them. <laughs> Manfrey joined that band, and they had a um, talking about the pipe drag and they had this standing agreement to play the pipe dragon and every sunday night it was tension and if i remember it was goo goo dolls opening up for them every week mm. and somehow manfrey got in this band and we used to go to those shows and they all ended at three in the morning and it was like you know a real pain in the ass maybe at some point manfrey said i want to i want back in and, and maybe he talked us into it i don't remember exactly but there was a series yeah, of rattling th- back and forth between players
2: for sure. Actually, I think that's why we ended up um with Scott and Geldon was because Manfrey kind of was doing the tension thing and he kinda yeah. he was doing both, but he was kind of doing that more and yeah. wasn't really dedicated to us anymore. So we we kinda decided to move on from him. But so that Christian, could be maybe maybe he left tension at that point because I don't think he I don't think he liked it after a while or something happened. I don't know. And yeah, he maybe. ended up coming back.
3: So, Chris, your point of, you know, we did that thing with those guys for a while. Flip, keep in mind, Flip was playing guitar and came up with some amazing riffs at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for some reason, he wanted to go to bass. And so I I don't remember exactly, but we probably just sort of regrouped and got Manfrey back in. And then by then, Phil came along. So it probably was like we stopped and we started within a week. That probably was the case. Just word on the street, you know, the streets were talking. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but then you know if fills in at that time that would make sense because then his brother wasn't far behind and then right and then that was it we didn't change anything after that yeah that's solidified guys, at that point
0: do you know what you know what like year that was when phil and Diener were involved
2: Ooh, i
3: don't
2: boy. know 90 91 yeah i would see yeah it has to be around there
1: it's probably 91, and I think I actually, you know, unknowingly videotaped Dean's first show, because you kind of announced it, and that was at the scrapyard in June of
3: 92.
5: Wow. Yeah, I was going to say 91, 92.
2: Dean's first show, he had to be a little kid. Yeah, he's a little teenager, man, but he rocked.
0: <laughs> Still does. Yeah, he's amazing. Um. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy that it was like 90 cuz like your 7-inch came out in yeah. 90 so that's a lot of changes really quick yeah so you're right we probably did break up one
3: week reformed the next and i mean that's how it <laughs> happened for a year <laughs> but you know what it might have been it might have been 92 maybe somewhere i can't imagine it being that late cuz we did all those recordings with with Doug White and then with Larry you know we did that 7-inch at Mark and that was what 94 so
0: yeah, so all the other all the other recordings were with Phil and Dean, then, right? Yes. All of
1: them. Yeah. I remember being hey. bummed that Doug White demo got shelved because I sang backups on there, and I was like, oh, "I'm going to be on against the whole demo," <laughs> <laughs> and then it never came out.
2: Yeah, I don't know yeah, what I don't happened. Think we ever? I don't know why we didn't release any of those songs. Maybe no, we want to it
1: back at that loft
3: place again. Is that why? Maybe.
2: No, because we went to Marks right after that.
3: Ah so, so do you think doug still has
2: those i have
0: it oh you
4: have
1: <laughs> so why aren't you doing something with it where's it's the a like hand. new direction it's been remember tim we you we sent you back to doug's you kind of did that because re- we only had the real i do remember And you that did that. a remix yeah so point. those were
3: with your recordings
1: yeah i have i have them on a a dat tape or a cdr okay. or something
3: I do remember going back to Doug's and doing that. That was probably, what, around 2005 or something like that. Yeah. Maybe earlier. Maybe
1: yeah.
0: Earlier. Huh. Is that is that like the, uh,
1: how many songs were on that? Had, did you share these with me, Larry? Probably. It was four songs, and then I think three got recorded later, and then there's one left off. That song Digger, do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. I think you got, what was that about? Uh, you guys worked at a chemical plant or something?
2: Yeah, we worked at Tim's uncle's uh, uh, Weibo. Remember that, Tim? Yeah. And they had, we were, remember they had that, we were in their backyard, we were cleaning up. We were just working there for the summer, cleaning shit up in the yard. And there was this chemical leak all over the yard. And there was just <laughs> barrels dumped with shit leaking out. <laughs> and there was a little mouse in the, in the stuck in this oozing shit. I don't even know what it was. Remember and that's what we made the song Digger up about. That's right. <laughs> yeah, A little mouse. <laughs> a little mouse dying in his chemical waste. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think I heard that one, actually. <laughs> I, we I think we I play that it. once in
3: a while. When we get together and, and we jam, that one always makes an appearance. <laughs> we sort of, for some reason, we lock into that one.
0: No kidding. Uh, that was before... The third party stuff, or is that after?
1: No, that's right before the the Uniform Choice cover demo tape. Okay, because then three of those songs got recorded for that tape, and then Digger was left off, and then they d- did the UC cover.
3: Yeah,
0: okay,
1: okay,
3: yeah, we were big. Uniform, oh, Choice yeah, that
0: fans, was it. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys are both talking.
3: Yeah, that was at the loft. I was just saying that we were obviously big uniform choice fans, and uh, yeah. we, we forced that issue as much as possible. <laughs> Kevin recordings in it. That's a
5: fine
0: issue to force. Yeah. You forced it, and then you forced a fart into it. I was wondering why you guys put a fart <laughs> in it. <laughs> I'm guessing that was a flip move. That was a flip Flipowitz thing, probably. So, uh, okay. So, like, how long was it till you uh, did the, the Beans demo? Well, that
1: <clears throat> I uh, I was a super fan of Against All Hope, and um, you know they had that breaking through seven inch, and then they you know they were doing these series of demo tapes, and I was just like, man, it's got it's got to be more because I like we talked about a little earlier ago, it was supposed to be an album or a cassette that earlier recording, you know I was like bands put out a seven inch, and then they put out an album, you know the kind of like this progression. And then you know, so they put out a seven-inch and then it was like, Oh God, they're they're demo tapes, like the world's gotta know, right? The world <laughs> needs to know about against all hope. Yeah. So I was like, I wonder if I could put out a seven-inch for them because they had just put out that tape with the UC cover. What are those songs? Like Believe in me and promise, I think, are the mm-hmm. ones on there. And I was like, these songs yep. are so good. I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call Phil because I think I was. Like the closest with Phil in the band and see if they want to do a seven inch. They could do those songs, and then they've already got some new songs I've heard live. And uh so I called Phil. I used my dialer. remember the, the payphone cheater thing? I called him, he's just like, Yeah, that'd be cool. Let me let me talk to the guys. And then so a couple of days later, he calls me back, he's like, Yeah, let's do it. You know, like they want to record at Mark's where Slugfest did the seven inch. So I was like okay, this is awesome. And then I think I was like, I went to because uh, I was bummed out a lot of Buffalo bands, like their records were like always delayed. So I went to my bank and I got a loan for $1,500. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't, you know, I could just pay it instead of, you know, like trying to save up. So I got a loan. I was like, okay, I can do it. That's but awesome. that was just going to be the money for the pressing basically so i i think i did put in a little for the recording but i told them i was like i'll give you 200 records 200 of the records so you can sell you know at three bucks a piece and then that's like to recoup the money that they were paying for the recording so that was kind of like the little agreement that we had and i guess you know they took care of booking the the studio time and everything which i think was like another day you guys were so pro I just remember kind of Fred being blown away, you know, that it was just like one take or one or two takes. And I think second takes were like, just in case, you know, like, Oh, this Probably. one's perfect, but just in case <laughs> let's, do it. let's do a second take.
3: That guy was great to work with you. I don't know if you remember, he was just running all over the studio, jumping off of couches and stuff. And he <laughs> kept our <laughs> energy level high, if nothing else, it, it was great. Working with him was awesome.
1: Yeah. I remember but, him. Well, you one- really,
3: you really went out on a limb then going to the bank, getting a loan. I mean, it's not yeah, like, you know, like I never knew
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I didn't want it to like, you know, like, Oh, I get, you know, $300 a week at my job, but you know, I just wanted it to come out like as quick as possible. Cause other bands for like two years, they'd be like, we got a seven inch coming out. You know, they'd say this every week for like two years. Like when is this record freaking coming out? So I didn't want that <laughs> to happen. So I just went to the bank and got a loan.
3: Well, it worked because you're right. That was definitely a thing. People took a long time
1: to get yeah. that Stuff, and not just locally. I think you know, bands all over the world, records would just would get delayed or would take a long time.
0: I mean, it's usually kids putting out the records, so you can see how like that responsibility is kind of uh, put to the side once in a while. So, going to the going to the bank is a uh, next level.
3: i hope hope you got your your money back
1: yeah yeah it worked out it worked out it was good (laughs) i wasn't looking to make any you know i just wanted to have another against the hope seven inch so it was mission accomplished
3: well it worked the only thing that we appreciate yeah it looks like we should have did two because we never got to believe in me and promise and the uniform choice cover one apparently yeah like, we should helped. have
1: just said like if you you know i almost wish like someone would be like well we've done a you know let's finally do an album you know and we could have like just all pulled our money in yeah. together or whatever we should
2: have got another job mean, you job know, doing bottles yeah <laughs> there's, go there's, back yeah. to the tops <laughs> 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 there's,
5: there's no time like the present to make up those uh past losses this is true i mean, never know you know some Buffalo bands have gotten back together in recording. There's always room for more.
1: Something I thought of the other day is because the seven, inch, there's six songs from the that session at Mark's and four of them are on the seven inch. And then Tim did a tape. Like, I was just like, Oh, maybe we'll do the 30 year anniversary, like 12 inch EP with all six songs on vinyl or something like that. Cause it,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's That's scary. Awesome. Like
1: next year is like 30 years of that thing.
0: Oh. It's crazy. That, that is nuts that you yeah. say that. Because like out. Maybe good. one of my first shows was the Against the Hope show, and um at at that point I wasn't really into hardcore. I was kind of into hardcore, like there was like the local bands in my area that you know would said said they were hardcore, like Drought and stuff like that. I like kind of liked it, but then I saw you guys. You guys kind of bridged the gap for me between the punk and the hardcore and it's like a perfect sweet spot between the two that's awesome yeah so like it was like one of the first bands i saw i'm like oh this is this is this is my shit so definitely <laughs> but yeah we had a
3: lo- a range of uh of um well as you know look at the guys look at phil and dean i mean the playmanship was through the roof so yeah
2: well yeah, I I heard I heard uh, on one one of the other uh, episodes uh, I think it was Galvin talking about every band has to have his metal guy. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Galvin. Uh, and, yeah. and Dean was definitely our metal guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> he still is our metal guy. Yes. Yeah,
1: so yeah, hey, can are, you touch on the the songwriting process once Phil came in the band? Because that seemed to really take things up a notch. How did you guys work together?
3: Boy, I think um, the songwriting, once, once Phil got in a band, prior to that, we were just sort of writing real, just throwing things together. Once Phil got in there, he, we, we never got away from that. We always wrote as a band. Like Phil would write a part or one of us would write a part, but even Dean would go, no, no, no. And he'd go, ju, 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 that kind of thing. <laughs> and we just refined that process. And those two guys, since they're brothers, as you guys know, um they're operating on a whole nother wavelength oh yeah so if phil had a riff (laughs) the second dean heard it and understood it and approved that that was going to be a song within 25 seconds
2: yeah he knew right away (laughs) what drums to play for for it and i was like it's crazy we just had to unlock the rest of it that's crazy Yeah,
3: yeah so the process became real um like everybody was just throwing stuff together and the editing process worked beautifully. We, none of us were afraid to throw something away. Um, Cause we knew we were going to get to better, better songwriting over time. You know, a lot of people probably didn't care for that because, you know, the styles over the years, we, we had, we weren't afraid to throw in all kinds of styles into the mix. Um, and so some people probably were <laughs> thought it was stupid, but we just, we we never had a goal to just focus on one thing we were always just trying shit because it was fun to us and right. phil came in phil came in was able to go oh he could just vibe off of anything
0: and we just wrote a lot of a lot of songs that are all over the board but... <laughs> I, but i noticed i noticed that on the the third party demo that it's kind of like there's some like poppier stuff and then there's like a faster song and then there's like like almost a song. I think you
2: kind of sing on it, Poppy. If the I love on. songs on there. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> we were going through a Ned's Atomic Dustbin phase. We were like really in a Ned's Atomic Dustbin. <laughs> you guys got two bass players all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so um, is there any, like, I seem to remember that, like, there was an unreleased record. Is that true?
3: Yeah, it to me it sounds more like an unreleased demo. Again, getting okay. to the demo thing because it's not very fleshed out. When we went to Mark on that recording for the Drywall Seven Inch with Larry, um, the quality of that recording for our band was perfect. Like that was the that was the style of production we needed, and I think because we just did another eleven song grouping of songs we went to another studio that was going to be more cost effective so it sounds like a demo and we never produced it and never really mixed it properly so that's always been just hanging out there it's just okay. a, a lost demo that never was released i don't think was it you guys
0: i don't
1: think so
3: it was just that, a- was,
0: that was after drywall oh yeah. yes yeah
1: and so I can, you can hear some uh, iron maiden uh influence creeping in on that one
0: <laughs> of course well, you could kind of hear that on, on drywall as well i mean there's definitely some like harmonizing leads going on and and stuff like that so it was already creeping in i feel oh yeah
3: and yeah yeah for flipowitz, sure it's flipowitz is a steve harris you know so he he would bring he would bring that playmanship and that would just we had no choice and we just had to lock in with Flippowitz, and it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that recording never we people always ask like why didn't you guys ever release that stuff and
2: i don't know about yeah, where did we, we recorded that in somewhere in west seneca didn't we i can't remember the name of the place then in someone's basement
3: yeah like outer limit or something
2: oh uh, outer limit that's what it was yeah,
3: yeah. and again we just never were you know, all of our friends and their bands they were just you know going for it and they were happy to pursue music and I feel like we just never took it seriously we just kind of just did it and we never really were after the next release or like Larry was saying we probably could have did another seven inch or a couple like an album at that point but that would have required us to be pretty serious and
0: we we were not yeah yeah you guys you guys didn't really play out of town or anything like that did you
2: no you know just you know Erie. we played there um, I mean, we really, yeah, we really didn't. Yeah, we were Hamilton, bottle, in Ontario. Oh yeah, we like played at the house show
1: at the yeah, house, house for Zach
3: or house for Zach. Yeah. was that like chokehold in those guys?
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't something that we were like determined to go out and tour at that time and doing anything like that. You know, Deaner was still in school, and as a result. I mean, luckily, we were never going to be like, or you're out" because we have to go on the road. That was never part of something we were going for anyway. So, we just stayed local and kept it like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, like, what what brought the band to the end? Like to the end, the initial end.
3: I don't know. I don't know. We were around a long <laughs> damn time. Maybe it was just we just needed a break or something.
1: Tim, I was the I first think... one to
3: stop. So.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say. I think maybe the beginning was you departed to join your wife's band. Right? Was that correct?
2: Well, that was way later. That was two oh, okay. years later. Um, no, you, I think you, had, you were in uh, Annabelle at the time, Tim. Yeah, me Tim. and Eric um, and
3: Mark, who we still play together. Um, we started our, this other project. But that wasn't anything, again, that wasn't going anywhere. We weren't touring with that or anything. There was nothing that competed with the band. I think I just did that. And that's when Carl Dutton maybe filled in or something. Which is awesome because he's such a great player. I would have loved to have heard some of that. But there were different formations of the band after I left, and then even after Poppy left and Phil yeah. left. I mean, Phil and Dean and I think Phil and Dan, Dean kept
2: it going. Yeah, yeah, they
3: wrote some killer music, and they just always kept playing.
0: Huh. Yeah, I haven't heard any of it. I, I did. I wasn't like familiar with the band at that point. I think I think I remember seeing the the band on like shows, but it, like it wasn't shows I would go to it was like those like late continental shows or whatever um yeah but so you guys just kind of drifted apart really
2: yeah that's pretty know. much what it was we all went our separate ways basically
0: nothing um, really nothing really ended the band
2: <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No. that's a good way to put it yeah
3: yeah and
0: as a result you know we do get
3: together as much as possible Flipowitz lives in new jersey and so when he can get to town we do get together and we're working on stuff currently that we're very excited about so you know we'll it's great to see those guys and still play with them and it, the beautiful thing is i feel like it's like <laughs> it's it's so easy to play together the five of us
2: so yeah even if we haven't played been together in a long time we can just go down there and it comes right back you know so that's yeah. kind of cool and so since there was
3: no there was no breakup so there's no bad blood we get together we're just super excited
0: about it so yeah
3: it's like a reunion yeah yeah
0: Yeah. um so you guys are working on new stuff somewhat
3: oh yeah
2: yeah we're trying
0: yeah yeah
3: Yeah. and and it's funny like larry was talking about the material from um the era where we were playing with galvin and scott and man i guess i need to find some of that because flippowitz remembers some of it and,
2: well, that was fun we had a great we had a great time with galvin yeah. uh, Scott <laughs> some of some of that material needs to be dug up and, and yeah I wish I, I wish did, I wish there was some recording I don't think there was any recordings of that at all just maybe like tape recorders so I can you know make words you know write lyrics but yeah. that's probably about it <laughs> God only knows where <laughs> they are you know
0: yeah. no
3: all right. well there's a ton of material there's just a ton a ton of material so yeah.
0: I mean, have you guys brought back any of those songs from that last demo?
3: Oh yeah, those uh, "fuck it" and all that stuff, Poppy. That, when you're talking yeah. about the, oh yeah, we play those all the time. We when play it, up,
2: when we hang. Well, yeah, when we get together, that's usually we we go through pretty much all the songs we remember. You know, yeah, yeah. We actually we have a list at Deaner's basement. He's got a whole a whole studio set up down there. Drums, guitar, bass, vocals. You know, he's got everything down in his basement. So we get together there. And we have the list of the songs and we kind of just pick one and play it. There you go. I
1: remember there being, uh, we'll call it the Iron Maiden demo. One of the songs that was recorded in that session was kind of old enough to be done at the Mark, at the Mark Studios. And then the gear, you know, it's like, okay, we're wrapping up. The gear is broken down. The mics are, you know, taken down. And then Phil goes... Oh my God! We forgot to play. I don't can't remember the name of the song, but he's like, we forgot to play the other, you know the other song, and everyone was like, shit. So it, it was almost seven songs, but it turned out to be yeah. just like
3: Well, that's not surprising.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, some of that was probably ready around that time. Yeah, we just ran out of budget, right? So
1: yeah. Did we master that? I remember going there. A second time with you Tim maybe to pick up the masters or something mm. and we did something else I, I'm thinking it was like a mastering session but I remember just you me and Mark being there The other guys weren't there
3: huh I do remember going there I couldn't recall what for it must be what you're talking about master yeah probably to get ready for your recording like for your pressing
1: yeah I, I maybe needed it at a certain format or something for the pressing plant
3: yeah yeah so how many times did you, like, I know there's different covers of that recording. I mean, there were different, I know with Envy, you guys, I heard you're, you're talking about how you would do different colors for each run. Oh,
1: yeah. The first did pressing, too? well, the first pressing is a thousand, 200 on blue and 800 on black. And I made those covers. I just went around to print shops in Lockport. And I took the chain of strength seven inch with me, like the gate, you know, uh-huh. the trifold gatefold. I was just like, I want to make a, a, you know, a record cover like this. And no one had the paper big enough for like the three panels.
4: Hmm. So that's
1: why it ended up, it ended up being two. So it's the two color cover. And then that, and then they overshot, you know, I order uh, you know, a, thousand covers but you know they make like 1300 or something like that you know there's like an overrun so the first pressing sold out but now I have like two or 300 more covers so I did a second pressing of 500 and then to fill out those covers and then once those covers were gone I just did like a xerox cover and then I think I didn't sell through those and I had like what was the one I made later on in the because I had records with no covers. And then I think I was, when I was living in California, you guys were going to do a show. And then I did that. I can't remember if there was maybe 50 that with that illustration of the five of you guys on the cover. Oh, yeah. He has it right there. Yeah. That's
3: it. the one that Phil drew that one. Yeah. What's yeah. the number
1: on yeah, there, yeah, awesome. How's it out of like out of 50 or something? Yeah. It's out of 50. Yeah. So the vinyl is the second pressing. And then, you know, They, I just had them with no covers. So then, when you guys were going to play, I was like, "Oh, I'll just make this and send them to you guys to go sell or whatever."
3: Oh, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and the first show we had the seven inch. I remember when you guys played in Hamburg at uh, the roller rink. Yeah, the smorgasbord place. It was like a ten band, like all day.
0: That was the first time I saw you saw them. So, so
1: technically, you could call it. I mean, we, we didn't, it wasn't advertised as such, but that was like the record release show. And I just showed up. I was just like, Oh, the record's ready.
3: Yeah. There it is. Yeah.
1: And I remember going to a Halloween party before I had the covers were ready. I had I, the vinyl had showed up and you guys were somewhere in Elmwood, like up in some, somebody's attic. Like the, I was in this weirdest place. I was like, where am I? But you guys were there. <laughs> and I brought it to just the show you guys, like, here's the vinyl, you know? And then I had Dean autograph the dust sleeve. He wrote uh, "the motherfucking deaner and drew a pentagram on it. <laughs> yep, it's our metal guy. <laughs> oh, and that's also <laughs> Kurt was there. And then he was just like, "Dude, we gotta talk." And then he uh-huh. then he called me. <laughs> he wanted to shut down my operation. <laughs> say, was it a positive? Or I'm not surprised. <laughs> Well, he just wanted to, I mean, it was, He's I mean, he you. was, he wanted to, I guess he thought like against all hope was his band. Cause he had done, you know, like one release, know, there was, yeah. One release like four <laughs> years ago. But uh, so he calls me and he goes, what's the the other label that did like the milf seven inch and the tugboat Annie, what was that label? Mm, something cow, moo cow records. Or yeah.
5: Something like cash, think, yeah, cash something, cow records. Cash cow. Yeah, I yeah. Cash cow. he's
1: just like, yeah, I want to get together with you and the cash cow guy because, you know, there's only room in Buffalo for one record label and that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to get together and, and figure this all out or whatever else is like, wow. Like, OK, he, the
5: irony of that is he hadn't put out a record in probably two or three years at
1: that point. Yeah, that was like the weird thing. Like, I like, didn't know that he was still active or whatever.
5: His his business was stealing from record to theater and selling them. Online <laughs> through a distro.
2: Yeah, all the distribution stuff.
5: <laughs> yeah, it was all stolen from Record Theater's warehouse. That was his distro.
1: Wow. <laughs>
3: Amazing. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, something cool about like around, I want to say, Larry, do you guys remember, was it around that time where we had the Cinderblock thing happening right alongside? And we were doing shows like with like Slugfest, Cinderblock, Us. And we were all exchanging instruments, things like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just two. like
1: the same five or six guys, yeah. but then just swap it
3: off. <laughs> <the same> <laughs> but around that time, I mean, that's when Flip and um, Scott wrote some killer Slugfest material. And they put that out. And I don't who released that. Do you remember that? It was a seven inch structure. Yes.
5: Structure records it was Chris Logan from Chokehold's label.
3: Okay. And that had syncing and all that stuff on it, right? Yep. And Chuck the yeah. yeah. News Flight and all. Um, that was great, and then, right along there, Phil also had at that point Phil and Redmond and all of them were really um getting the cinder block going. the show was going really well, and so the material that these guys were writing was just amazing um it's just that time the show was I just remember the show was just being insane. it was that roller rink, like I don't even know where that was somewhere in Hamburg. Do you know yeah. that where that is there
0: hamburg roller rink, yeah, yeah it's not there anymore but okay. i didn't go to any shows there i was probably at the, the roller skating party beforehand <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> <laughs> i remember seeing people like bringing equipment and stuff like as i was leaving a few times but yeah it's
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome
0: but that place was great and i know at one point you
3: guys were all talking about you know um the importance of river rock like was it, it, was it like the thing that defined Buffalo or was it not? But if you guys remember, there were venues everywhere that eventually became great places to play. You guys have talked about um, Kenzie's and every place like that, but there really was and so many places. And even before um, we've talked about Pipe Dragon, but so many venues that we poppy, remember we used to go see bands everywhere
2: yeah the painters and, hall the metal shop yep. yeah all those places. And, the, and the lineups
3: were always amazing you'd have this crazy mixture of of styles of bands always playing together yeah um, it was never one genre it was just so it was really cool you would get, get exposed to all kinds of music so um,
0: you think that made it better i don't know about better but it made it good because yeah like i, I just wonder if it brought more people in it must have, because the shows were huge,
3: right? I mean, you go to Skyrim. Yeah, I
5: mean, like, I remember, like, the Painter Hall shows and the Metal Shop, and those shows were packed. Yeah. And yeah. later, River Rock, not so much. Unless it was, like, a big band. You yeah. know, like, like I remember that Straight Ahead show you mentioned. I remember there being a ton of people there for a relatively unknown band. But, like, the later days of the River Rock, if it wasn't a sick of it all or a killing time, there weren't that many people there. And, you right. know, like, that... I don't remember who else played the straight ahead show, but I do remember that it was a diverse lineup versus the later river rock shows where it was all kind of the same genre, you know?
3: Yeah. And a lot of that could have been you know, the, the different people booking. I know um, Ryan Foister really got good at booking after a while mm-hmm. prior to, prior to someone that could focus like him. It was a lot of like, you know, who's coming to town. I think that might've been, they grab whoever wanted to come and they put the, they put all these shows together with different, you know, whoever it was. So, yeah. I mean, you would, you would get cro and Google Goo Dolls and, and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Like Dag Nasty would play with like um, metal bands. And, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. Really cool. So. Well, the one show, Larry, you and I have talked about the uh, Poppy. Remember the seven seconds show that never happened. Um, but it was third man in, or was it New Balance at the time with Youth of Today and Verbal Street and Seven Seconds during the New Wind tour? And um, that would have been a great show, but the power got blown out when Youth of Today played. And again, just epic shows back then. So, way about the River Rock that was way before River Rock.
2: So, like, yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't near the zoo. I remember. The, yeah. It, yeah, wasn't yeah. that the, uh,
5: what the hell was it, it called? It, the uh, St. George's or
2: whatever? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah. A small that's little it. church uh, hall.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like Andy Maurer, I think, used to put those shows on at the time because he was doing the BNY show, that Midnight Riot yeah. show. So, again, yeah. trying to trying to get Midnight Riot in with uh, <laughs> tinfoil and, <laughs> and... Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Do you, uh, do you guys have any, like, particularly memorable shows that you played? One that sticks out or
2: anything? Mm. Nah, nah, I don't, <laughs> not off the top of my head. I don't know. What about you, Tim? I don't know. There were
3: some good ones in Rochester. I remember we would play, um, was there, like, a Sick of It All show out in Roch with, like, or Integrity or Slugfest? I can't remember. Again, it was always everybody switching bands and switching equipment. But the show of it
1: all and sheer terror i think that, that was that one show. of them yeah and you guys are you and slugfest opened
3: were you that at that one and, yeah okay
1: yeah the yeah. back cover of the seven inch um is from that show in rochester really yeah
3: yeah so like some of those shows i, remember, I remember it because i just remember <laughs> like every once in a while crazy must shit have been
1: I think you guys had really good shows at the icon. Some of those icon yeah. shows were always yeah, packed. I remember I remember, I remember
5: seeing at the icon once and it was pretty crazy. Uh with like fadeaway and a couple others. I'm not sure who the headliner was. Maybe Earth Crisis, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I think there was like an Earth Crisis Snapcase show and then you guys played with Shelter too. That was like really packed.
2: Yeah, you know, I thought it great, great
3: sound. Well, we did play a lot with Slugfest and um, Fade Away. Like that was a regular thing for a while there. I want to say.
2: Yeah,
1: but also sure.
3: we can't forget Robots Kill. Do you guys remember Robots Kill?
1: Yeah, of course. They <laughs> yeah. played all
3: the time with us. So they're one of my favorites even now. So
1: well, you played in in the band for a while, right? On that on that tape.
3: I don't think so. Oh, maybe.
1: It was a little later on
3: maybe but then it
1: had like star wars comics book on the cover or something
2: (laughs) and you just remember those guys
0: were great i just remember
2: uh and we used to play with rule a lot remember rule oh rule at the cabaret i remember that one i don't know how we we ended up playing with them all we played with them a lot i don't know What was Rule? Was that Real Rulers? Same? Day. Yeah, Real that's Rulers? what they became. They, then they changed their name to Rule. Okay. <laughs>
5: yeah. And they headlined like every uh, Blind Melon show because they had like Blind Melons always had that show after a show that Rule would play. So, it was, like, <laughs> technically, Rule headlining all these shows. Uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's great. Just a funny story about Robots Kill. I just remember, I think it was at this show that at the Smorgasbord. Uh, the singer going this song is about unity brotherhood and friendship it's called hot dogs in your anus <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: did yeah. they did they play a show under the name nothing one time with you guys at the scrapyard i want to remember remember yeah. that,
3: that was, yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> again another you know all the bands in dpu we all changed our names all the time right so uh-huh they started off as facial variety then became nothing and then became robot skill
1: amazing but they changed their lineup
3: but yeah they did play that scrapyard before you're right yeah i don't know which what show that was but like that was another pretty messed up venue remember the walls in there you, if you got thrown into that you're gonna pay for it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it the walls for you know
1: <laughs> they had good sound there too i thought
3: yeah once you got enough people in there it, the sound was good yeah <laughs> But did we ever play with Envy?
1: No. Was that never, was like a little bit after, right? It it overlapped a little bit. Um, but we never we never did. I don't know why that went. Fun story though, when we recorded our first demo tape, you know, when the, we finally had them, Joe and I showed up to a, against the hope show at the icon with like a shoebox full of tapes. And we go the first guy we see is Poppy, and we're like, oh my god, Poppy, here's our tape. you know have one take it he's just like no 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 dude i'm gonna buy it how much are they we're like two dollars he gave us two bucks so poppy bought the first envy demo tape
2: i remember that's awesome man yeah (laughs) that's
1: great yeah he refused to take he he knew the plight of local bands he's just like no i'm gonna i'm gonna buy it
3: Yeah, so as a result of not really being um very ambitious, we never had we had I think one t-shirt the whole time we had the band. Like we never made merch and all that kind of stuff. So
1: it seems like a lot of people didn't.
3: Yeah, no one did, right? Yeah. Until, you know, some of the bands that were thought a about a later, yeah. Them.
2: Yeah, it's true there was really nobody who had any merchandise merch except demo tapes.
3: The first ones we did, I remember yeah. we spray painted with stencils. We did that, like at a River Rock show. And then we got away from it for some reason. We never made more.
0: And now, now it's your job to make it, right? Yeah. Make <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not weird. It's funny <laughs> it's how that works. Funny. I don't have anything else to ask. Larry, do you, or Larry or Chris, you got anything?
1: Well, I was such a super fan. I used to work at Record Theater in Lancaster, and I would just Take transit the whole way just to punish myself. And I would see, I would drive by and I would see Tim's, the Tim's street sign. I can't remember the name of it.
2: Madeira.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would just like, the dude from Against the Hope lives on that street right there. Just <laughs> be like,
0: did
2: you ever just, get the record, <laughs> Peter, down by JNC?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I
2: didn't know that. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was always one of the hangouts. You guys, did you guys hang out there ever? JNC? You guys would go there, Larry. I remember that.
1: Yeah cuz I would go to uh fade away uh, yeah. rehearsals at Frank's house and then we yeah. would cruise would, over would there Yeah. Right down the street there. Yeah. And then you guys would be there and you know we'd play uh pinball.
3: Yep. It was either J&C or Denny's or Perkins, yep. right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we always knew where everybody was.
1: Yep. <laughs> Thanks for uh, inviting me to come in here. Um I love against the hope. So getting the to see, you know, Tim and Poppy here, that's super cool.
2: Yeah, we appreciate everything you did for us, Larry. Oh, no problem. I wish it could have been better. If we had the, you know, if I had a
1: computer and a graphics degree and and the internet back then, it it probably would have been a lot better.
3: Oh, it was awesome. It looks great. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah.
1: So we I did that cover, Phil would uh, oh heck Phil didn't have a car or a license right so I would drive out to West Seneca and get Phil and then drive all the way back to Lockport and we'd work on the cover and then when we were done I would drive him all the way back to West Seneca and then drive all the way back home wow (laughs) you really were a super fan yeah yeah
3: that's commitment man I mean it
1: was only a couple times but and he drew that that little uh like straight edge guy on the back (laughs) he drew the (laughs) the b-side label and uh, he came up with the, that was the image. I don't know if it was agreed upon by the band, but he just showed up. He's like, this is going to be the cover. He had that crazy image. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And he goes, well, it represents, you know, getting rid of the bad things from your life. Cause it's like a demon coming out of the guy's head. So it's like the demon represents, you know, the bad things in your life, like trying to be progressive, you know, getting rid of the. The bad thing. So I was like, "All right, that makes sense." But you know, people look at it and they're just like, "Wow, this is gnarly. Doesn't you know? <laughs> yeah. really fit the the band's yeah. vibe." I don't know, but it's cool. I, I would have thought that, pretty
0: gnarly for a bunch of yeah. goofballs. You know, yeah, yeah, sure. I would have thought the metal the metal dude would have came up with that. Like, Deaner was like, "Oh, let's do this." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Now, like, Phil wrote a lot of the – it makes sense that he would tell you that, because Phil and Poppy, you guys collaborated on a lot of the lyrics after a while, right? You guys did a lot of that together?
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot of that we did. Uh, yeah, he had pick him up. He was working at um, Ice, um, and I'd pick him up after work, and we would go to the practice space, and, um, you know, he would kind of play the guitar, and we would come up with lyrics, too, at the same time.
3: Yeah, he was talented that way. And that was a cool yeah, place, too, Music true. Mall. Do you remember that place? um larry you were there a lot while we were recording yeah you
2: guys had that
1: lockout and it was almost just like i think you guys would rehearse so if i was just like cruising around or like leaving garlop's house or something i'd be like oh let me cruise by and just see if those guys are rehearsing and i'd go in there and sit in the corner and watch you guys rehearse or something
3: the place was crazy i mean that was um cannibal corpse was right downstairs like all these great bands were the place was a mess. You remember that? It was a yeah, show. it was, like, almost looked like it was condemned or
1: something. It's, it's identical. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> still going,
3: too. Yeah, we drove by there recently. Um, my daughter had to get a COVID test right near there one time <laughs> recently. And I go, see that building there? That's where that's where I met your mother. And she's like, oh, really? And it so- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <the place> looks <laughs> like hell. But yeah, my wife used to practice in there, too. And that, that awful place.
0: Well, speaking of lyrics, you know, like I noticed on the last seven inch, a lot of it, it's just about how getting old sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, now, and you were like a kid then. And I was a kid I,
0: I loved it. Yeah, and they were even I mean, like, you guys are young for writing that, like, kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's
3: a good point, Eric. <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah, you guys are being yeah. <laughs> goofy guys. it a hard. long
1: way to go. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It's funny. Yeah, that's crazy because I can remember it like in 1992 going like, oh, man, remember the good old days? <laughs> 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 I'm only 18 and I'm just like, man, like the good old days were like, you know, four years ago
2: or whatever.
3: Yeah, you're right. A lot of our songs were about stuff like that at that point.
2: Yeah, I think it was like, oh, man, I got to – I got to grow up and get a job. This is going to a full-time job. This is going to suck <laughs> type of thing.
0: <laughs> Chris, Chris, do you want to uh, get your uh, final question? in?
5: Uh, it's just like, it's a question that Mark always asks. Uh, and since you guys, you know, you seem to actually listen to the podcast before. Who would you like to see on that? We haven't had on yet.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, definitely fade away.
5: Uh, we're trying. Oh, yeah. We're trying.
2: Um, I don't know. What about what you got? Can you think of any, Tim?
3: Well, I think um, the brothers Popielski would be very interesting. Um,
2: oh, well, yeah, both of them together.
3: <laughs> they could offer some different perspective for what we talked about today, too,
1: which would be great.
3: But among a million other things, right? Yeah, they've
1: got a whole musical journey that would be. Oh, yeah, cool especially yeah. especially
3: Phil. Yeah. Phil would that be a be good one put on. What's that, Chris? fill from every band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um I mean I would say, you know, any yeah, the discontent guys or robots kill, fade away, all that stuff. I mean, there's so many. You guys have done a pretty good job of, you know, spanning you know all the different genres, I guess you could say, but those guys for sure.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been trying to get Fade Away but Rob doesn't want to do it by himself. Mm. Uh, Cause he feels that he'll like freeze up and not say anything. Um, and like one, one good thing I will say from it all in trying to get fade away, Rob and Steve Mack reconnected after having not spoken for however many decades it's been.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah.
5: So if anything that happened and that's more important than, than being on this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but we're, we're, we're trying to make it work
2: excellent yeah so well, uh, good work you guys are doing a, you guys are doing a great thing for sure thank you appreciate yeah. it and
0: uh thanks thanks for coming on guys uh giving us your time i appreciate oh. it and uh maybe we'll have you guys on again sometime yeah we appreciate you yeah.
2: listening to us <laughs> exactly. you can get um you can get flipo on here or something yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's probably it was probably good not to have us all together at one time because <laughs> and then we would we, get nutty. <laughs>
0: All right, guys. I appreciate it. All right.
2: Thank yeah, you very I, much.
0: Yeah. Yep.
2: All right. Have a good night.
4: Thanks, guys. I sit and I stare at the same